This is the GOAT Level Podcast with your host, the GOAT, the legend, the hero, Van Pugh. I let me stop playing. I'm back again. Um, so recently, so today is April 2nd, 2021. Five years ago, the Oklahoma men's basketball team lost to Villanova in a historic beatdown, 95-51. The only reason I'm bringing this up because uh, Oklahoma basketball made a tweet about March 26, which is a week ago from today, when um, Oklahoma won the Elite Eight to go to the Final Four. And just those two days, I just remember where I was and what I was doing on, on both of those days. And it's like, man, like, damn, that was, that was literally a roller coaster of emotion. I mean, March 26th, I'm on an all-time high. We, me and my friends, we, we watch Oklahoma beat Oregon, blow them out. Buddy went off. I mean, especially in the first half. Like, Oklahoma just straight up destroyed Oregon in the first half. Bombs away. It was 48-30 at halftime. Buddy Hill had 37, and he was 8 for 13 from three. OU was 12 for 24 overall from three. Oregon was 4-21. and 21. You know, that's Oregon team. They had That's the team that had uh, Dylan Brooks on it. That team was good. That team's pretty good, but OU killed them. They killed them, and then they killed Texas A&M the game before that. You know, the team that had Caruso and Daniel Howells and uh, that center guy, I can't remember his name, but he's not in the NBA. It was a good time, and me and my friends waited all night for – OU to get back. They didn't even get back until 3, 4 in the morning. I was all tired. Me and my friend Zach went to Logie's, and we just sat there. We didn't do nothing. Uh, I could have been the leader and talked to some chicks, but no, that didn't happen. And, I mean, and then we were just having a good old time meeting up and talking, all the student section guys. That was a fun season. But what happened the next week, I can't get out of my mind. That was like a funeral. That was like a plane crash. Because it's like we did all that just to suffer a historic beatdown. And then, of course, you know, my my Michigan State friend had something to say about it, even though her team lost in the first round. Their team was supposed to be better than us. But they lost to a 15th seed. But, you know, don't get me started on that. I'll talk to Michelle later about that. But seriously, though, man, that was an epic beatdown. Okay, after the first half, I was like, okay, we're kind of still in it. We're just down 14. Dog, it got worse and worse. And I just turned the game off. I was like, I can't do this. Because I remember that day I went to a baseball game before that Villanova game started because all my friends were in Houston. But that was the day. The only reason I wasn't in Houston, the only reason, was because I was in grad school and I had to take my comprehensive exam. If you didn't pass your comprehensive exam, you weren't going to graduate. So that was a very important test. And looking back at it, it was all a waste of time. Because I end up ditching my master's anyway. 
But at the time, it was very important, and I I didn't want to rush and try to get to Houston in time after the test, so I just decided to stay home, and I decided to watch it in my room. Why, right before I went to my apartment at Traditions East after the baseball game, I said, I have a bad feeling about this game. I don't know why I said that, but maybe it was because Villanova was hot shooting. They upset Kansas. I wanted Kansas more than I wanted Villanova because we blew out Villanova. They were going to be fired up, and they are shooting the lights out. I was like, I don't know, man. I don't know about this game. And then it happened. Then we got killed. And I'm just like, why did we do all that? Why did we make this run to the Final Four just to get blown out like that? Never forget, man. I, it, unbelievable. You know, I, I, it, it feel like a funeral. It feel like a memorial looking back at it. And it was like, damn, it's such a great team and such a tragic ending. Damn, bro. And I guess I can remember the good times, like, like March 26th. That was the highest of the highs, and April 2nd was the lowest of the lows. Next next year on April 2nd, I plan to go to Houston. Uh, guess I guess, you know, I was supposed to go to Houston that day, but it didn't work out. I think I'm going to go next year, you know what I'm saying, make up for lost times, and hopefully do something positive in Houston and not be all negative and stuff because I was – when you say I was depressed that day, I was depressed. I was down. Everything sucked. I went to O'Connell's. I went to freaking Sugars after that. And I just, I just wasn't into it. Like, I was just stunned at what happened. Like I said, it was like a, a tragic accident. But hey, April 2nd, I mean, I gotta make it, I gotta make the most of it now. Now that I think about what happened back then. And then five years later, I mean, come on. I should have just went to the damn Final Four. All that for my Masters, and I don't even use the damn thing. It was pointless. I should have just went to Houston, YOLO. But, you know, but then again, I would have had to watch that stupid beatdown. That would have been the worst. But, you know, also today was the day that Jesus died on the cross. You know, it's Easter weekend. So that just makes me realize that even though, oh, you got blown out, even though this was a depressing day, looking back on it five years ago, when I wasn't already wasn't in a good mental state during that time, but then OU gets blown out like that. But because it's Easter, you got to realize that we still got Jesus. <laughs> And he died on the cross for your sins. But, hey, our sins. But, hey, you got to move on. I'm thankful for that. You know, that's that's some mindfulness for you. But, you know, hopefully I can make it to Houston. And maybe I can just look back on the good times and not the horrible, depressing times of that, you know, point in my life. Uh, let's see. Um... March Madness. So March Madness, a bunch of March Madness happened since the last show, Sweet 16 and Elite 8. Let's go through this real quick. Um, so Alabama lost to UCLA. I mostly listened to that on the radio. Alex rescinded the overtime. The only reason this game went to overtime, because Alabama decides to go 11 for 25 
from the free throw line. Like, come on. UCLA shot 20 for 25. That's the difference right there. And I think, you know, UCLA won by nine in overtime. And Herb Jones apparently was the SEC player of the year. I couldn't tell, mate. Two for seven from the free throw line. He missed two key ones down the stretch. I mean, come on, man. Alabama could have easily won this game, but they did not. UCLA grinded, and then they turn around the next game, the next game and beat Michigan 51-49. Because that was a weird game. I was watching it, and I was like, man, neither team is doing anything offensively. But UCLA... It's funny because Ju Zhang had 28. He had 18 at halftime. And I swear, UCLA only had like 24 points. Ju Zhang had 18 of them. How do you lose to somebody? How do you lose to UCLA with just one player scoring pretty much? How? I mean, I'll tell you how. Because Michigan, Franz Wagner, right? One of their best players, Moe's little brother. One for 10. Michigan had 14 turnovers. And when I was watching, I saw, I should have knew something was wrong when Hunter Dickinson was just playing awful. Like, he was missing everything. He was turning the ball over. I, he was giving up points on defense. I was like, come on. Like, this is not what happened. It's not like UCLA is playing great defense. Michigan is just playing bad offense. And that's what I noticed watching that game. And it's just, it was frustrating. But to be honest, you know, that helped me in my bracket pool because my biggest threat in the bracket pool had Michigan win it at all. And if Michigan won, would have been the fourth team in their final four. Like, that works for me. That works for me. I'll take it. Because (laughs) that's a big hit to their bracket. So now all I need is Baylor to win it all, and I'm pretty sure that money is mine. It's just that was a head-scratching game, that UCLA-Michigan game. If Michigan plays even average, they win that game. But I guess shout-out to UCLA, man. They grinded, and they took advantage of these other teams' mistakes. Now, can they do that against Gonzaga? I doubt it. Come on, man. OU is better than... UCLA, and it got blown out. USC is better than UCLA and got blown out. Bro, every team Gonzaga played, except maybe Creighton Creighton and maybe, okay, maybe Creighton and, of course, Norfolk State was better than UCLA, and they blew them out. They're already a 14-point favorite. And, of course, they made light work of Creighton. I wasn't expecting them to destroy USC. Who USC destroyed Oregon and destroyed Kansas. But it was no match for Gonzaga. Gonzaga just did whatever they wanted, when they wanted. Evan Mobley just, he was okay. But there's not much he could do. Him and his brother Isaiah, like, they, there's not much they can do to stop that freight train named Gonzaga. I mean, <laughs> Jalen Suggs, Kispert, and Timmy. That's that's the three. That's the three branches of government until the tournament is over. But I'm hoping Baylor can beat them. They can. Like, it's just I'm very worried because I don't think 
Baylor has anybody to stop Drew Timmy, and that is going to be their downfall. And honestly, man, like Davion Mitchell can slow down Jalen Suggs or Jared Butler. They both really good defensively, and the way they pressure the ball, they're going to take away their guards and limit their perimeter shooting. But the problem is Drew Timmy. Can you stop him? Now, Baylor came out slow against Villanova, and then they had a hot start against Arkansas. They held on, man. They just, they're the second best or best team I've seen all season. Just the way they pressure the ball on defense, especially Davion Mitchell, and on offense, just the way they shoot the ball and take people off the dribble and how they have, you know, multiple people who can score like Vital and Vital and um, Meyer. It's just unbelievable. Flagler, like, they, they're a very good team. They're a very good team. I expect them to beat Houston. I mean, Houston shut down Buddy Beheim, and I, I was impressed by that. That was very impressive. And they shut down Ethan Thompson, too. Now, I was worried because they had a big lead, and then all of a sudden, freaking – Oregon State cut it to four. I was like, what? 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 But Houston held on because they were the better team. Congrats to Oregon State for getting that far, but it just wasn't enough. It just was not enough. So we got UCLA, Gonzaga. I I got Gonzaga winning, but if UCLA wins, it's going to be a 30 for 30, and whoever bets on that is going to make a ton of money. I might even bet on that just just a shot in the dark lottery type of thing. I mean, <laughs> it'd be just like playing the lottery. Just submit that bet, bet ticket and just hold for the best. If UCLA plays beside themselves or, or plays to another level and wins, I'll cash in. If not, I mean, whatever. <laughs> I didn't put that much money on it. <laughs> but I, I think Gonzaga will, will take care of business. And then Baylor and Houston, it's just that uh, Baylor's too good. Like, Baylor is just too good. They're just too good. Houston's a solid team, but I think Baylor will get them for sure. I hesitantly got Baylor beating Gonzaga, but after watching Gonzaga closely, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Drew Timmy is the X factor. Well, not the X factor, but he's the difference. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see, man. I'm I'm entertained. I can't wait to see what happens from here. Final Four is tomorrow. I just thought about it, and I'm like, damn. Do I go see that, or do I go do Lyft? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know now. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. We'll see. I'm going to just keep my eye on it. Now, okay. So what we got next? Oh, the women's tournament. Right. So the team I was bandwagoning at NC State because I, I like uh, Elisa Kunain. Yeah, I like her game. I like her spirit. I like her smile. All that. Like, that's that's one of my favorite players. And then they got Shakia Brown-Turner, who went to McNamara. So I was like, all right, man, I can get behind this team. But, man, they lost when they lost to North Carolina earlier this year, that raised an eyebrow. Some of their games were close. Well, not many, but some of them were close. It just made you raise an eyebrow. 
another game that made me raise an eyebrow was the A&T game, the first game. That's somewhat of a close game at halftime. I just was like, what? The same A&T that almost lost to Howard? What is going on? But NC State, you know, pulls away in that one. And then their next game, they kind of struggled there too, but they once again pulled away. Now, Indiana just took it to them. Like, NC State was winning at first. They, they pulled out to an early lead. And then they just choked. Then Indiana, I think it was the third quarter, which is funny because they showed a graphic that NC State was plus 22 in the third quarter headed into that game. Indiana jumped out to a double-digit lead in the third quarter, something that hasn't happened all year for NC State. This is a team that beat Louisville twice that damn near made the Final Four. Like, Louisville damn near made the Final Four. NC State beat them twice. NC State beat South Carolina, who has a chance of winning it all. They have three really key wins, and they won the ACC. So this team deserved a number one seed, but they were clearly the fourth best number one seed. And it showed they lost Indiana. They did fight back. But at the end of the day, man, Indiana was too much, and they lost to Arizona, and Arizona's in the Final Four. Like It's just, it's just crazy. Just Pat Berg, Holmes, and Berger for Indiana just were insane. They were unstoppable. Uh, Mackenzie Holmes, yeah, Mackenzie Holmes for Indiana, she was looking like Crutwig. She was looking like Crutwig going against Kofi Coburn from Illinois. Like, that's what it was between Holmes and Cunane. Elisa was 15-12. Okay. She had 15 points, 12 rebounds, 5 assists, 5 turnovers, 6 for 15. I guess she did okay. I mean... Disappointment, though. Jakia Brown-Turner, really disappointing. 3 for 13, 9 points, 4 rebounds. So, Raina Perez had 17 points, but she had 5 turnovers, too. I mean, they had 17 turnovers. That's bad. Two of the best players had 10 of them. Jada Boyd, I wish everyone was like Jada Boyd. Like, she barely had any turnovers. 8 for 12, 18 points, but she fouled out. I mean, that's probably the difference, too. Very disappointed. But I think they get a lot of them back. We'll see. I think they get Elisa back. So we'll see if they can run it back. They definitely get Jakia Brown-Turner back. So uh, we'll, we'll see if they can run it back. Other things happen. Okay, UConn is in the Final Four. Shock. They hyped up this Iowa-UConn game because Caitlin Clark and Paige Beckers are YouTube stars. Oh, my God. There were so many Paige uh, Beckers highlight reels on Instagram and YouTube. Like, it's not it's not even funny. But I guess Caitlin Clark had her highlights, too. Both of these girls are, like, like little, man. Like, <laughs> they little. They, they skinny. But they can play, man, both of them. And, you know, they both came out slow in the first half. In the second half, they, they went at it. Like, those two went at it, and I, I really applaud them. Caitlin Clark. They just really made her work. And Christian Williams, who was on her, she stole the show. Okay, Christian Williams was had 27. She had 18 in the first half. And it seemed like every other shot she threw up went in. Like, she was, she was killing it. I don't know what she was doing down the stretch versus Baylor. 
But, you know, we'll talk about that later. And it's just that every time Iowa looked like they were fighting and it was going to make a run, UConn would just shut them down. They would go run one and done. They would go one and done on the offensive end, and then UConn would hit a three or something to pull away. It's just like OU versus Gonzaga. Like, it's just too much. And then UConn, okay, UConn won that game by 20, and Paige had 18, 9, and 8 after a slow first half. But then against Baylor, Baylor had a huge lead. But when I started watching, UConn came back, and Baylor just went cold. And But still, somehow, some way, they were still in the game because they were driving hard to the bucket and getting fouls. And they should have got that last foul. And, you know, and one of their players got hurt. I mean, that was unfortunate. And the foul was unfortunate. But I look at some of them plays, man. Yeah, they was driving hard to the bucket, but they were missing some wide-open plays, man. Like, seriously, like, old girl drives to the lane and gets trapped. She still tries to lay it in and stuff. I I, I mean, okay, you try and get to line. But there are people, I'm not kidding, wide open on the outside. Wide open. And just imagine they were able to hit those and and they were able to make some back-breaking threes. We might be talking about Baylor in the Final Four versus Arizona instead of UConn. It could have easily been them. But, you know, they lost, and UConn's in the Final Four. They they held on. Oh, and Paige Beckers didn't do anything down the stretch either. Like, every runner she took didn't go in. Every shot she took down the stretch didn't go in. But she's still like that. She's still the player of the year, and had 28 in that particular game. It's just that down the stretch, I don't, I don't know what she was doing. Now, uh, Final four for women's is tonight, but I'm going to be real with you. I'm going to go out and do lift, and I'll catch the highlights because I, I got to make that bread. Uh, Merlin women lost, and I'm just like, man. Oh, and by the way, Elisa Kunane, she missed the tying layup and the tying three. Frustrating, frustrating. I want her to do well. I like her. But she choked, period. Uh, let's see. Merlin women choked after a fast start, just like NC State. You know, once the other team settled down, the other team just happened to be Texas. Out of all the people, you lose to Texas. Like, what, what are we doing? Once Texas settled down, it was a close game, and it was a back-and-forth game. And then in the, in the fourth quarter... Merlin just went ice cold. Like, this is a team that be scoring 90, 100 points. They beat Alabama 100 to 64. But all of a sudden against Texas, they're going cold. They give up big runs. And it's just not what I wanted to see. I was like, oh, they got the best offense in the country. They could make a surprise run to the Final Four. They're probably going to get spanked by South Carolina. But they could make a surprise run to the Final Four. Man, they lost, bro. They lost. They lost. And, you know, it was tied at 59 from 40, with 45 seconds ago. It was tied at 59. But Texas got an and one, and Merlin had a turnover, some missed shots, and Texas hit one more free throw, and that was pretty much it. Like, Merlin was 5 for 22 from three and 40% overall. You got to be kidding me. It's a disappointment. I mean, Brenda Freeze got the coach of the year, well-deserved. They, I feel like... They could have definitely, they should have at least been in Elite Eight. Even the Final Four. They had a really, really good offense. It just sucks, man. 
But it is what it is, you know. Congrats to all their accolades that they accomplished this year. I guess no one really expected them to go above and beyond, but they did. So, I guess congrats on a good season. But, man, what a disappointing finish. And against Texas, of all people. No, we don't do Texas over here, dog. No way. Oh, my God, man. It's blowing me. All right, real quick, let me address all this Eagles disrespect. So the Eagles, no surprise, everyone's picking them to, to finish for. You know, as far as NFCs, people are split between the Cowboys and Washington sitcom. The Washington sitcom basically took our place because everyone was saying that Washington sitcom was pretty much going to be in last, last year, and then they turn around and win the division. Yeah, sure, it was like a down year for everyone else. Well, for the Eagles and the Cowboys, and an okay year for the Giants. But, nah, like, they were picked to finish last, too. So, I'm like, now the roles have reversed. Everyone's getting all hype about Washington football team. They made a little acquisitions. You know, they got Ryan Fitzpatrick, and they got Debo Samuel. Now they got a little kick returner, too. And I'm just like, man, y'all, we just got to play the games. All this disrespect. I'm like, listen, we're getting some of our linemen back. Um, we're getting – we still got Darius Slay. We still got Fletcher Cox. The draft hasn't happened yet, but we're, but we're automatically about to be in last play. I don't see it. I don't see it. We got to – I have to see it to believe it because I don't believe the Eagles just going to be in last just like that. I know on paper it doesn't look good, especially with Jalen Hurts starting. But I believe in Jalen Hurts. And he changed his name number to number one, just like he did when he went to. I believe in Jalen Hurts. And I think we can make this thing work. And, you know, they saw the press conference with our new coach, and they already labeled him as not an idiot, but they just, they're not taking him seriously. I'm talking about the media, the fans, all that. Y'all just assumed Cowboys going to run away with this, and then Washington's going to run away with this. And I'm just like, I, I got to see it to believe it. Ryan Fitzpatrick is inconsistent. That defense, you you can beat them. You can beat them. I've seen it. You can beat them. They're not they're not unstopped. They're not the 2000 Ravens now. Come on. You can stop them and they got a tough schedule. They got a tough schedule. And they just added Josh Allen to that schedule and I'll talk about that later. But they just added Josh Allen to that schedule. They they're, they're going to have a tough time. I don't know why everyone's picking them to win the division. Well, I kind of know why, but I think it's whack. We got to see what happens when we actually play the games. I'm not saying the Eagles are going to win the division, but they ain't going to be it ain't they ain't going to be in last. And even if they are, I mean, come on. We just got an extra first round pick and we might have three first round picks. Even if we do fail and end up in fourth, we're going to have all these draft picks and we're going to come out the grave like the Undertaker. You're done. You're done. It's a wrap. Man, I think I think the Eagles are going to be better than everyone thinks. You just got to wait and see and, and watch how we play these games. Don't, you know what I'm saying? Don't, don't count us out yet. I know it don't look good on paper. Don't count us out yet. This reminds me of the OU disrespect in the Final Four. How everyone just lauded the first three teams and just pretended like, oh, you didn't belong there. And, yeah, we didn't. We got killed. Huh. Okay, we did belong there, but we got killed. So everyone was right in that instance. But with the Eagles, this is pro football. Like, this is not, this is not college, okay? This is pro football. 
it's this that's a little harder to predict with the injuries and also the draft picks and we don't know how Dak Prescott's gonna be off of the injury. The Cowboys defense ain't dramatically improved on paper. I mean I I see to believe it. Period. And I don't believe in Daniel Jones either. You gotta look out for that team though. They they're solid. I'm not gonna lie. Maybe I'll look out for them more than Cowboys and, and Washington, but still, don't sleep on the Eagles. Don't sleep on. We still got some really good pieces on that team, so you quit all with all the disrespect because they still have to play the games. Like there are no paper champions. You know what? Paper champions would definitely fit the Washington sitcom. Like that would definitely fit them perfectly. That would be hilarious if we just crowned them the paper NFC East champs. Like, let's go ahead. <laughs> let's see, man. Let's see how this goes. All right, let's talk about the Wizards. The Wizards lost again last night, lost by 20. I'm not that surprised because when we beat the Pistons a few nights ago, we had this big lead, but we gave up a 31 to 5 run. So I'm like, okay, they pretty much did what they did before. In that third quarter a few nights ago, they just did it for the whole game. And Josh Jackson went off. And I'm just like, man, wow. <laughs> the Wizards are 3-10 and 10 since the All-Star break. Russell Westbrook is healthy. I knew he would be dangerous when he's healthy. The athleticism is back and everything. He dunked on Biombo. It's looking like basically the 2K Westbrook. See, in 2K, I'm dunking on everybody with Westbrook. I'm running past everybody with Westbrook. It's basically looking like that now. And I'm like, you know, I was expecting that, especially after the All-Star break. I wasn't expecting 3-10. and 10. I wasn't expecting 3-10. and 10. And back in the standings. I'm about to pull up the standings right now. You have got to be kidding me. 3-10 and 10 since the All-Star break. Listen, you only got to be in 10th place to be in the playoffs, right? The Wizards are two and a half games outside of that. And oh, by the way, they're only a half game ahead of Cleveland and Orlando for the second and third worst spots in the Eastern Conference. And we just lost to the worst team in the in the Eastern Conference. And oh, the night before that, we lost to Charlotte. We lost to Charlotte. They're number four, but... They did all that when they had LaMelo Ball. Like, it's just, they're going to fall back like I expected. They're going to fall back. They're only 24 and 23. They ain't that good. But they, they sure blew us out, though. They sure beat us, though. The Wizards, I don't know, man. Like, they lost to the Knicks three times. They lost to the Hornets twice. They lost to Orlando twice. Like, it's just it's ridiculous. Like, it's too much losing. This team is way too talented. And Rui Hachimura has been coming into his own. He is clearly the third best player on the team. He has eclipsed Bertans in that aspect. But Bertans has been dealing with injuries and it took him a while to get in shape. Still, Rui Hachimura has passed him. And I'm just like, man, he's way too talented. And we got Bradley Bill playing like Jordan until he got hurt. He's been hurt the last three games. That doesn't help either. Bro, we're falling into tank land. But we're so, listen, they're very talented. And Russell Westbrook, I think, is a really good leader. So 
I don't think they're going to tank and completely bottom out unless they shut down Westbrook. As long as Westbrook on the team, we're going to make that push to the playoffs somehow, some way. But they need to get it together because this is looking bad. Because if they keep it up, Westbrook's going to be gone. We're going to end up picking Kay Cunningham or Jalen Suggs. He's going to be traded. Bill's going to be gone too, and we're just going to run it with those guys. And we're just going to run it with the draft pick and whoever else is on the damn team. I don't even care after that. Um, <laughs> I'll just be looking towards the future. Man, I hope the Wizards get it together, man. Tired of them losing, man. It's, it's oh, man. And then the Caps. Well, the Caps are going the opposite direction. Like, the Caps, like, the Caps are interesting. They've won all these games lately. They've pretty much the opposite of the Wizards. They've been, like, they're, like, 10-3 and three in their last 13 games. Unlike the Wizards, who like three and ten. Um, the Caps, they're two and two in their little in this little 13, 14 game stretch. They're two and two against the Rangers, and like eleven and one versus everyone else. Um, they lost to the Islanders last night, eight to four. It was so bad, I couldn't even turn on the radio. I was like, "This is awful." Like we're not we're not stopping anybody, and I'm just like, "Man, here we go. It's the cap cycle." They're going to do enough, even in a tight division race where I, I guess the Islanders just took the lead. It's 51-50-48 as far as points. Pittsburgh, okay, it's Islanders, Caps, Pittsburgh. They are really fighting for those top three spots. I'm telling you right now, the Capitals are going to win the division, and then they're going to struggle in the first round. They probably got to play. They probably got to play freaking Boston. I mean, they do well against Boston, so I would like that matchup. But somehow, some way, they're probably going to choke that one. You know how the cap cycle go. I hate, to, I hate to repeat it, but you know how it go. Start off strong, slump, stumble, get back, start, get another winning streak, do just enough to get the top spot or home ice, then they lose in the playoffs, and then we start the cycle again the next season. This is the cap cycle. I'm going to keep saying it. I, this is the last time I'm going to say it. Like I'm just waiting to see what they do in the playoffs. None of this stuff matters if they don't do it in the playoffs. Now, I love that in one of the games I listened to that Tom Wilson, I love how he won seven straight without Tom Wilson. That's interesting. And in one of the games I listened to, Tom Wilson scored the first two goals. I'm like, man, I like this guy, man. We're we're the same age, by the way. It's pretty cool. I like this guy, even though everyone else doesn't. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see, man. I love to see how that race ends. I think for the division lead, I think the Capitals are gonna come out on top. You know, Vetchkin still scoring goals. Will he catch Gretzky? I hope so. I'd love to see it. And I hope I'm at the game where he does it. But if they allow fans and Gretzky is getting Gretzky, Ovechkin is getting close to that record. It's gonna them games gonna be sold out and expensive. You think the Nats ticket is expensive? Okay, it is, but it's not gonna be quite Nationals price price gouging opening day price level tickets. But is they're gonna be climbing up there if Ov gets to that record? It's gonna be tough for him though. Let's see. Uh, oh, speaking of the Nats opening. They got postponed. 
I mean, serves the price gougers right because, well, I on StubHub, the tickets were $2,000. $1,000. Yeah, okay, limited capacity and it's opening day and you want to see them raise the banner. Okay, I, I get it. Duh, that's still a lot. Y'all are crazy. Just to see us struggle to beat the Grom. Well, it wasn't even just, I don't even think it was raining. It was COVID. The Nationals catching the COVID L right out the gate. This is how this season's going to start? Man, it, man, we start with the Mets and we got LA next week. I mean, it's going to be tough out of the gate. But I just think once they get over the COVID L, let's see what happens. And they sent Carter Keyboom to the minors. I was like, huh, why? Who's going to play third base? And then I noticed that Cardi, Carter Keyboom was 6 for 49 in spring training. But I think it was Grant and Danny or maybe uh, B. Mitch Finley. One of them said, like, you can struggle in spring training. I'm pretty sure it was Danny Rulia. He said you can struggle in spring training if there is proof that you're good in a regular season. Like Trey Turner, he has similar numbers to Carter Keebon. Horrible. But you can rely on him, and he had a hell of a season last year. And Carter Keebon, they just don't think he's ready, so they sent him back to the minors. He's one of our top prospects. Oh, my God. You got to be kidding I mean, it's just the start of the season. You know, maybe that'll be a wake-up call and he'll get it together and then he'll join us in the majors. But, you know, that's a little concerning. Six for 49. God dang, he's getting bodied. He wasn't swinging that shit. <laughs> oh, man, we'll see who plays third base. Um, It is what it is. Let's see. But now it's time for... Some quick takes. Before the Sooner Schooner. I was about to get on the Sooner Schooner. Okay, 17th game. There's a 17th game. And I don't really... I see the outrage from the players. It's an extra game. Not that much extra money. You're putting your body on the line for one extra game. Uh, Possibly getting injured. Possibly not. I don't think it's that good for them. From their standpoint, I guess the fans love it. More football. And the owners love it more money. But the players, they, they probably don't like it. I, I, I get it. The, the biggest thing I care about, though, the biggest thing I care about is that the Washington sitcom got to play the Buffalo Bills. So, basically, you get the same place finisher from an AFC division that you played two years ago. And two years ago, we played the AFC East. And the Eagles get the Jets while Washington sitcom got to go to Buffalo, just add that to their already tough schedule where they got to play Mahomes, Rodgers, Brady, got to play the Saints, got to play against Justin Herbert. It's going to be rough for them. <laughs> it's going to be rough for him, for them. But they're going to win the division, right? Yeah, okay. All right. And y'all just assume they're going to beat the Eagles twice, right? Yeah, okay. They're going to struggle. But 17th game, I, I guess let's just see how it goes. It, it doesn't make no difference to me. I just I just like how Washington's schedule got harder. Roy Williams retired. Hell of a season. I mean, hell of a career. My bad. I didn't see it coming. No one did. And it's just, he's just a hell of a guy. Uh, 33 years between Kansas and US, UNC. 
kept those guys to be big powers. Uh, 400 plus wins at Kansas and UNC. That's impressive. Only coach to do that at major programs. 30 out of 33 tournament appearances. That's very impressive. Going to miss Roy Williams, and everyone had some nice things to say about him. And, you know, Long Kruger retired too. Man, this is crazy, man. What's next? Bayheim and Krzyzewski? Coach K? I'm sure that's coming within the next five years, but they still here. They still kicking it, and they still doing their thing. I mean, Syracuse damn near made the Elite Eight. So they, they still around, man. Chris Beer is going to Texas. I guess when there's smoke, there's fire. I kept hearing his name as soon as Saka Smart took the Marquette job. Even before then, I was hearing Chris Beer's name, and I just didn't think so. I didn't think it was anything to it. I kept hearing his name. I was like, wait a minute. This is the same thing with the Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. You hear some rumors. It starts out as rumors. It starts out as speculation. Then next thing you know, it's for real. It's for real. And I'm like, wow. He's really leaving Texas Tech to go to Texas. He built Texas Tech to be better than Texas, but he's going to leave Texas Tech for Texas. I think he went to Texas, and you know, man, Texas is a dream job for some people, and I guess he's one of those guys. He left to go get his dream job. I guess I can't be mad at that. It, them Texas Tech games, them Texas Tech and Texas games just got a whole lot more interesting. And I can't wait to see him. But let's see what Chris Beard does. He said he's not afraid of the expectations. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, wow. Texas, I don't know. Maybe they just got that much better. Uh, I just want to be a fly in the wall for them Texas Tech-Texas games. That's all. Bill Self got a lifetime contract because they don't even want Bill Self thinking about going to UNC like Roy Williams did years ago. But I don't think that wasn't going to happen because Bill Self has no ties to UNC like uh, Roy Williams did. Roy Williams went to US UNC and was an assistant when Jordan was there. Like, okay, I can see, I can see how he would ditch Kansas for UNC, but they wanted to make sure that didn't happen. So they offered him a lifetime contract. I've got to be careful with that because, you know, the teams start underachieving and you want to move on. I mean, can you move on? <laughs> I'm pretty sure they can find a way, but I don't know, man. Uh, do Is Kansas really going to be good for another 10, 20, 30 years? Uh, we'll see. I mean, they've been good this long. I mean, they've been they've been amazing since, what, the 90s, right? 90s? 2000, 2010, 2020, they've been at least above average. We'll see. I think that's interesting. They gave him a lifetime contract. And, you know, I don't know. It doesn't. I don't know if that's going to work out. (laughs) But we'll see. So far, so good. Andre Drummond's with the Lakers. Aldridge is with the Nets. And Drummond got hurt on his first game after saying he was in the best shape of his life. He got some freaky toe injury. You got to be kidding. And then Lakers already without LeBron and AD, and they got blown out by the Bucks. They're already fourth in the West. They're going to keep sliding. But as long as they make the playoffs, they'll get LeBron, AD back, and have a healthy Andre Drummond. They're still a threat. 
But can they beat the Nets? I don't think so, man. The Nets are loaded. And, yeah, okay, I mean, yeah, they got all these people. They got Griffin and Aldridge, but these guys are past their prime. I don't know if it's like they're going to blow everybody away. They'll probably struggle to get to the finals. But, you know, KD, Kyrie, Harden, Griffin, Aldridge, it looked like an all-decade team. DeAndre Jordan looked like an all-decade. And they got shooters coming off the bench, Joe Harris and Landry Shamit, Cabarro, bruh. And Jeff Green. Jeff Green went off against the Hornets. I, I might have just convinced myself that the Nets are going to win the title. But after this year, those aging stars they just got, are they going to be around? Are they going to even have an impact? We'll see. But this year, yeah, look out for them. They look like the 4 Lakers. Now, I don't know if they're going to choke like the 4 Lakers, but they look like the 4 Lakers. <laughs> oh, man, I can't wait to see how the NBA season wraps up. But real quick, let's get into the Sooner School. Man, this softball team is unbelievable. They are inspirational. They are dominating people. Yeah, a few close games here and there. Like they only beat Iowa State nine to seven, but to be honest, it was nine to one after like six. So they made a little bit of a run. Then they just spanked Iowa State like they usually do. I mean, they beat them twenty-two to nothing one game. Like. The last game. That's crazy. And before then, they beat them 14-1. to They are on, believe, it looked like a video game. It looked like when I did that season on MLB 2K12, and I went like 152-10, and 10, and I bat like 500 with uh, Morse. I forgot his first name. But <laughs> I bet I bet 500 with him and had a million home runs and just cruised to the World Series. It looked like that. They they are 26 and 0. They are annihilating everybody. They have 84 home runs, way more than anyone else. Arkansas is 61, but they just added two more today. I just watched that game against Auburn, so they're at 63 now. They OU still has 21 more than Arkansas, and then. There's a team with 57, and then after that, no one has 50. No one has more than 50. Unbelievable. Like, Oklahoma, okay. Oklahoma softball. They got four of the top 11 in batting average. Allo, Jennings, Coleman, uh, Coleman, and Hanson. They all bat over 500. Unreal. Unreal. 12 runs per game. That's great. Freaking three home runs a game. That's insane. No one has more than like 1.5. <laughs> I mean, Jocelyn Allo has 21 home runs. Tierra Jennings has 15. Kinsey Hansen has 14. The record for team home runs is 158, set by Hawaii in 2010. OU is at 84 already. They could catch that. Uh, Lori, Laura Espinosa has the single season record for home runs in the season, 37. Jocelyn Allo has 21. She could catch her. Like, this team is unbelievable. Unbelievable. And San Shell is number five in ERA, well, .47. They could be the best to ever do it. But I still got to see what they do 
against Baylor, the number 25 in the country. Uh, that's next weekend. They got Texas after that. That's the big one because Texas, they're behind us in every offensive category in the country. Like, But they're right there. They're not that far behind. And they're number seven in the country. And the games, the, the series is in Austin. So it's going to be, that's going to be the interesting one. That's the one where that's our biggest test remaining. And also, Oklahoma State's really good, too. I mean, they got a pitcher that's got under one ERA. And their offense is pretty good. Uh, and they're number six, not number 16, but they're, they're ranked, too. And then we got to play Georgia, a doubleheader at Georgia. If they lose a game, it's probably that one. Because Georgia is ranked in the SEC. We got to go to their place. It's a back-to-back. We got to play a 3.30 game and then a 7 o'clock. We probably going to lose one of them games. We might lose one of them games. But if but if they keep playing the way they're playing, they're not going to lose the rest of the season. And they're going to be undefeated. They're going to be the greatest softball team ever. But I got to watch them. I got to see what's up. I, I just don't see them going undefeated. It's hard to do. It's very hard to do, especially once you get in the postseason. But we'll see. Right now, they are putting up unbelievable offensive stats, and I can't wait to see how that season ends. Baseball, on the other hand, is 13-11. I told you they're a roller coaster. They're up and down. What, What I say, what I say after they won five straight and then lost to Texas State, I said, watch. They got Texas. They're going to drop two or three. They dropped two or three, almost lost the third game. But to be fair, Texas is number five in the country. Okay. No shame of splitting that. Okay. Then they lost to Oklahoma State last night. But then I found out Oklahoma State, well, two nights ago, is number 16. Okay, fine. They got TCU, they're number 12. Then they got Texas Tech four times, they're number four. So they got a tough schedule. But some of them teams they played earlier this year were not all that great. And they were up and down, up and down. Let's see what they can do. I'm not surprised they're 13-11. They're probably going to be a 500 team. And if they succumb to their tough schedule, it might be a lot worse than that. Um, They got one guy batting 400. Yeah, decent hitting, uh, not that great pitching. I mean, I'll keep up with them, but it's not looking good. You got, like, you got four ranked teams, and your rivals are really good. Like, it's not it's not looking good at all. Uh, we'll see what happens, though. They did beat Arkansas. I'll hang my hat on that. They beat Arkansas, they beat Texas, and they got five more shots at Oklahoma State. Like, Let's see what they do. Let's see what they can do. All right. So, Porter Moser, he's the coach for Loyola Chicago. They made a Final Four run, and damn, they made another one this year. I don't know how they didn't beat Oregon State. They didn't show up. I don't know why. I don't know how. But they lost to Oregon State. How you beat Illinois but lose to Oregon State? Whatever. They lost to them. They didn't make it. Still, the take little known Little Chicago out of the Missouri Valley Conference, making them a powerhouse in that conference, and making 
deep runs in the tournament better than some of these major schools, that's definitely going to get you some attention from other bigger schools, including OU, who has put a six-year deal on the table. So now we're in a bidding war between them, between uh, Loyola Chicago and OU. It's a bidding war between them so far. I hope OU gets them because, you know, Long Kruger retired. Why not get one of the hottest mid-major coaches, if not the hottest mid-major coach in the country? Why not? I mean, uh, Oklahoma has an underrated basketball tradition. I know it's a football school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still an underrated basketball tradition at that school. And it's definitely a bigger program, bigger budget than Loyola Chicago. Just saying. I hope we get Porter Moser, but I will understand if he stayed at Loyola Chicago. You know, his family's there. His sons go to school there. I, I can see I can see why he would stay. I would love to have him. If not, hopefully OU hires a great candidate because I believe they had a pretty good season until the end this season. I mean, and, and there is talent in Oklahoma and Texas that if we recruit right We'll be right back in the Final Four like we were five years ago. So let's see what happens. And speaking of the Final Four, it is time for the hypothetical game of the episode. Today's hypothetical game of the episode is a 2016 Final Four rematch. It's only right on April 2nd. We do a rematch between Oklahoma and Villanova, 2016 basketball teams. And, you know, I hope the best for OU. I mean, that team had Woodard, Hilled. Buddy Hill was a star, two-time National Player of the Year, all Big 12, a lot of accolades. Seven pick in the draft. <laughs> I could go on and on. Got Isaiah Cousins, Big Bang Spain, Kadeem Latin. Uh, coming off the bench, you had Christian James. You had uh, Buford, Dante Buford. You had a young Jamani McNeese. Jamani McNeese. I mean, that team, man, that team was good, man. I, they they could have won it all. And the seas parted for them with Kansas losing and or in knocking out Oregon. The seas parted, and I think Wisconsin lost too. Like the sea, no, Wisconsin sucked that season. What am I talking about? The seas parted. They definitely could have won. Syracuse came out the freaking other side of the bracket. They were like a tenth seed. Like it, it was there, but they couldn't make it happen. They suffered that epic, tragic beatdown. So let's see if they can come back against this time against Ryan Archer Diacono, Ryan Archer Diacono, Josh Hart, Chris Jenkins, who ended my ended my high school team season in my last year of high school. So it was a little bit of deja vu with that. Uh, Daniel Achafu, uh Phil Booth, Jalen Brunson. That team was loaded. So here we go. 6-6 six, six early, back and forth. A buddy hits two threes to make it 12-6. Uh, Josh Hart hit a contested three to make it 12-9. OU kind of got control of the game early. It's still a little bit back and forth, though. Uh, buddy had a sick uh, contested step back three 
a 25-20 uh, OU, but Mikhail Bridges ties it at the free throw line, 32-32, after a foul from Woodard. Um, forgot his name, man. Uh, Woodard, yeah, Woodard, no look pass to Spangler for three. Uh, Big Bang Spang got range, you know. Daniel Chafu wide wide open one handed one handed slam. That um put Villanova in the lead and then Jalen Brunson pump fake got water in the air and one hit the free throw 42-41. So then both teams trade threes and Villanova hits a free throw, two free throws, and then they're up two. So they're up two at the half. 49-47. Then Jalen Brunson contested three right out of the half. And this is where Villanova runs away with it. 11-2 run. So 11-2 run. They go up 10. And it's just not looking good for OU. It, Villanova grass control the game. Uh, Man Yang made a shot. I don't know how he got in the game and made a shot, but he did to cut it to eight for OU. But then Villanova went on a run, and Ochafu put them up 14 with a sick fadeaway and one, 72-58. A Bridges three right after that makes it 75-60, the largest lead of the game for either team. So then threes from Cousins, Buddy, and Woodard cut it to eight. And then Isaiah Cousins hits a three to cut it to five. And it looks like OU is fighting. They're staying in this. This is what I hope they did in the final four, and they didn't do it. But, you know, OU kept it within eight or nine for, like, the next five minutes. Like, when Cousins cut it to five, it was eight minutes to go. But they kept it within eight or nine. But Archie Diacono with a long two to pretty much serve the dagger, 91-75. Uh, Woodard hit a shot, but then after that, Villanova went on an eight-eight-nothing run to close it out. And then Rashard Odoms, everyone you know, subs out, got the backups. Rashard Odoms finally gets in the game, makes a pointless half-court buzzer beater. Game's over. And well, it wasn't half-court; it was a two-pointer, so it was a pointless mid-range jump shot at the buzzer. 9985 Villanova. See, when I do these games, I do it on random.org or what if sports. Just to make it fair, just so I won't be too biased. I do it on those places just so I won't be too biased. But 9985 Nova. Nova six players in double figures, Ochefu 90 19 9 and 5, Archdiacono 18, 7, and 5. Buddy was 7 for 16, 23 points, 4 for 8 from 3. Cousins, 16, 6 for 14, 19 points, 4 for 7 from 3. Spangler was 12 and 10, 12 points, 10 rebounds. So there you go. Hypothetical game of the episode and the end of the episode. And I'm out. Peace. Thanks for listening to another episode of the GOAT Level Podcast. Make sure you share, subscribe, and get money.